0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast. We'll be here with a new episode for you right after this quick note. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wager, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And as always, I'm joined here by my co-host, former UCLA linebacker Josh Woods. Josh, what's going on, man?
0: You know, just getting back. Tough, tough game. Um, But that's the beauty of pro sports, being able to, you know, lose a game and bounce back and respond and that one loss not you know make or break in your whole season Mm -hmm. um which is quite different in in college you know and one game could be (laughs) playoffs or just a new year's game you know
1: yeah i mean it'll, it'll especially be like that this year next year uh remains to be seen i don't I don't know what the sports channels and the and the news is like out there where you're at but uh, uh <laughs> a lot of realignment talk out here um are you aware that the conference you once played in is in real jeopardy of even uh being a thing after this after this season
0: as as far as I see the Pac-12 is cooked it's <laughs> yes <laughs> This is the final year. <laughs> this is the final year of the Pac 12, and um, it will lay to rest after the Pac 12 championship game. Um, I don't see how <laughs> they can come back. I don't see how
1: not really it will no. be
0: as prestigious as it was for so long and um,
1: over 100 years, Josh, I believe close to 100 or over 100, something like that. It's been around for a long time.
0: Yeah, as and, you've seen my tweet, I said R P Pac twelve was done,
1: which is which is crazy to think about. So just in case you live under a rock, uh, for those who are listening, Washington and Oregon, as of Friday at the day we're recording this, are going to the Big Ten and joining UCLA and USC. Now there's been some buzz about Arizona going to the Big Twelve. Whether Arizona State's going to go with them, I think, especially if the Arizonas move as well then uh, the Pac-12 is really done. So we'll have to wait and see. I am just glad that as a reporter covering UCLA, I am so glad we did all this last year. And, and it was a surprise. I think that's that's my biggest takeaway is that it really puts into perspective that last year was like, yeah, it was last year. Yeah, the USC and UCLA thing just kind of came out of nowhere and there was no Board of Regents meetings. I mean, there was a lot of that after the fact, but it just happened so quickly and it was like, boom. This was like drawn out. Even today, um, it went from the is going to survive to the is done. The pacto's coming back, Oregon's leaving, Washington's leaving. No, they're staying. It was messy. Like it was messy the whole day. And, and we're at football practice. We'll get to football practice in a minute because it is that time of year, as you mentioned to me earlier. But um, yeah, it's uh it's been crazy. We're trying to follow it along during during practice and and it was just kind of hard to keep up. But um, it seems to be over with. Least for now, uh, Florida State's like trying to get out of the ACC, even though they're locked down to a contract for 2036 or something. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, Josh, uh, real quick, I am curious, uh, to know what you took away from the Deshaun Foster interview we did last week.
0: I mean, conversations that's how conversations with Coach Foster have always been for me. I mean, just insight and um, he's always had that you know been that that word of wisdom in my corner of mm-hmm. uh from a you know former player's perspective and a coach's perspective like just getting um the best of both of those worlds as far as you know getting the advice I need or the 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 wisdom or the you know helping steer a young mind you know somebody like that, and um I think that was just insight into what that relationship has been and just, um, for, you know, for the, for the, a typical fan, just getting insight, you know, into all the things involved in what goes into college football from the recruiting to, I mean, the day to day and, and just how there's different ways to look at it. You know, like there's, Mm -hmm. like, like I said, so much goes into college sports and so many things, you know, go unseen where the fan is only really getting to see what happens on Saturday. Um, so yeah, that was really awesome to have. And, you know, shout out to coach Foster for, you know, taking time out before the season gets going to, you know, get on the pod and making sure like I was able to be available for that. Um, that really meant a lot to me.
1: Yeah. As you mentioned, we, um, me and Deshaun, about two days before we actually recorded, um, had a, we had, it set up. We were going to do it. And then I was like, oh, did they not tell you that Josh Woods is also supposed to be on it? But he was at practice. And they're like, no. And so we immediately just said, let's just let's reschedule it. Let's get Josh on here and let's make it happen. And I'm glad it did. And as soon, Josh, we have never had issues with the audio on this podcast. We've had a few hiccups, but nothing crazy. In the first mm-hmm. five minutes, my mic doesn't want to work. So I'm already fearing the worst for this episode. I'm, I'm I down I uploaded it um, and put it out there for the world to hear, and I'm like I don't know how I feel about this episode. My my audio was kind of messed up. I don't know how it's gonna sound. It was really good, and everyone who listened to it, who wrote a message to us, a tweet or whatever, said this was the best episode we ever had. Um, they learned a lot of great stuff, so I was really really happy with the feedback that we got. Um, what did you see? What kind of feedback did you get on the episode?
0: No, yeah, it's been it's been all love. Um and like I said, as soon as we finished, like I was like, Yeah, I felt like one of our best episodes and like I know, you know, true the true UCLA fans and just true fans of um college football, you know, would enjoy an episode like that again because it's insights that you would never, you know get to see and, and only on an intimate setting like that we had mm-hmm. um you know like you, you'll never get opportunity to listen into something like that so um yeah and even when all that was going on it was just like me and foster just catching up and yep. like you know yep. what i'm saying that's how it was able to go into it it was just me and me and foster able to, able to chop it up and then you got your audio bag going and, and then you know we were just rolling um so i'm glad it the way it turned out and you know Shout out to everybody that that listened in, tuned in, that um, reposted it, you know, spread it. Um, And if you haven't. I don't know what you're doing. Go ahead and go check that one out.
1: Yeah, you should definitely go back and listen to it if you haven't already in the archives, along with several other episodes, including someone that Deshaun Foster coached and Josh Kelly. That was another interview that we had. Shade Pitts, DTR. We'll get to DTR and Shade Pitts both later in the episode. Um, but a lot of great guests and then just us and our normal conversations throughout the year. Um, make sure you guys go back and check that in the archives. Um, one thing for me, Josh, that stood out, and this was a, a um, something i had always wondered about and a question many UCLA fans had always had, and they would ask me, and I was glad Deshaun didn't really hold back and kind of answered it or, or kind of you know shared his mindset on it, was how they go about recruiting. When it goes, because, you know, I don't know if you remember when he said we can offer 15 running backs or we can offer three and, you know, make it a point to those three people that, hey, you're the ones that we want. And there's a reason why you're the only three that we offered. I thought that was I thought that was great. Um, I have remembered people in the past saying, why do they only stop at three? Like they need to recruit like they need to give offers to everybody. And I'm like, well, I don't know. So I was glad, <laughs> I was so glad that Foster answered that. I thought that was great. Um and was that kind of your experience too when you were getting recruited or when you like noticed recruiting, like it's only like three or four guys at certain positions being given offers and whatnot. Did you guys notice that at the time?
0: Yeah, you do notice. And we're like, oh, everybody's getting an offer. So like, who are they really looking at? I mean, and what
1: does it really mean? Right.
0: Yeah. Like when, when a school <laughs> only offers a few guys, it's like clear that they care and they see Something in you that you know they're not seeing. Everybody else are like, you're who they want, and you're the you know the guy that they they see fitting your system. um Because even when I was you know getting recruited, like the coaches were making it clear to me. Like I know they had offered other guys, but they pretty much said like, we only like some schools only offer other guys if they think they can't get who they want, or they'll they'll tell you like like if you're not gonna you know sign with us, then that, that's why we have to you know put those out there. But you know, it's like that. So, and it's, it's like when you have a limited edition shoe mm-hmm. or something, you know what I'm saying? where yep. it's like, it's mm-hmm. more valuable when there's less, but when everybody has a shoe, it goes down in value. So right. it's like a UCLA offer has to mean something, you know what I'm saying? And that's what, you know, Chip and the rest of the staff are, are getting as pretty much as like, if you get an offer from UCLA, it really means something, you know, not everybody's getting this offer, you know? So when you do get it, you should value it and really, you know, it's, you really need to consider it because that means they see a future with you.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So again, I was glad he answered that um, and got that out of the way um, or not got that out of the way, but, but explained it the way that he did. Um, Speaking of which I'm on the college campus. I'm at UCLA right now. We just finished with practice. As I mentioned, we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute, but um, I don't know if you, been following along, along. UCLA did pick up a four-star recruit from Michigan. They flipped him from a uh, four-star recruit defensive back. Um, I think it's Jameer Benjamin, if I'm if I remember correctly. He was committed to Northwestern, but because of the you know hazing and whatnot that happened at Northwestern, um, you know, took a, a second look at at his options and and reevaluated that situation, decommits from there and commits to UCLA. So UCLA gets another four-star guy, and they have two booms from Ethan Young out there on the interwebs. Um, One of them is supposed to be maybe a Sierra Canyon kid, um, but we don't know that for sure. And then the other one is supposed to be a a four-star running back um, that is going to announce his commitment like at six today or something like that. So stay tuned for that. But UCLA doing big things on the recruiting front, Um, but I do want to jump into practice real quick. Um, Josh, do you remember when, when we would first go to practice, you guys are warming up and like the, the moment you guys warm up and walk on the field, like we're there. Mm -hmm. They're not letting us do that anymore. I don't know why. I don't know why they're not, they're not letting it. They've like shortened down the practice time to like 15 minutes.
0: So they wait. So they they cut out early outs. So what what at what point that, of practice are you guys allowed to
1: watch? So we used to watch special teams too, and and if they're doing it the same, I don't know because they're not letting us in. We're not even seeing special teams, so we're going in there like period five. So we're missing warm up stretches. We're missing special teams. By the time we get there is when we get the individual drills. Like remember when you guys would be like right there by the media.
0: Hmm
1: that's when we first see you guys. So it's like, we lose like, like we're probably losing anywhere from like five to 10 minutes um, worth of practice time because they decided to change it. So um, some of the other reporters are mad about it. I'm, I'm not as mad about it. It's not that big of a deal to me. Um, it's kind of a short window anyways. And, and they kind of, we only see you guys do the same thing over and over anyways. But um, But I think the biggest thing is because of that, we're not getting a whole lot of action um, or visible action from that quarterback battle that's going on. Because of course, you know, it's across the other side of the field. There's very few things we can take away from it. So if you ask me what the quarterback battle is like, I don't know. People have been asking on Twitter, get Dante Moore film, this and that. I'm like, I can't get anything. (laughs) I I don't know if that's part of it though. Like if they're running a tight ship, I don't know what's changed, but it's like crazy that we can't even get um, you know a lot of the access that we had in that regard so it's been kind of interesting but it's crazy to think about because when
0: I first got used to a like especially when we had campus San Bernardino every practice mm-hmm. is open to the public
1: yeah that's what I heard one of the reporters talk about today like oh yeah when they were in San Bernardino we used to watch everything and we were able to watch everything in the spring but now all of a sudden like it was last minute too like it came all the way down to like the day before, they're like, oh, come at 8 45. Oh, come at 9. Oh, oh, oh. And we're like, what is going on? So, so it was a little weird, but we'll see how it goes. Um, for me, I'm just happy. I'm just happy football season is back at this point, Josh. Um, and we get to talk about something other than conference realignment and all this other stuff that is going on. But, um, I do have an update on your favorite position at linebacker. Um, I think it's a really, really good thing that they got depth this year. Um, with mm-hmm. Darius and Femi kind of leading that that first group because John John Vaughn has not practiced. Um, I think a lot of that Chip Kelly said today was just because he's still getting uh, into football shape. He was with the back with the baseball team. He came back like before the summer started, but I, I mean maybe you can tell me how long it takes to get into football shape. But um, yeah, he was with the the baseball team the whole season and is like slowly transitioning back into football shape. So. Um, It's going to take them a little bit of time, but how long do you think it would take you to get into, or or what is it like even when you get ready for the BC lions uh, to get in football shape?
0: I mean, realistically, I'm like now I probably, after the season, I probably take a month and a half off and then I'm mm-hmm. training all the way up until I leave. So it still gives me about four to five months of training before the season. Um, and then, can you hear that? Yeah. No. Wow, that's really loud to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, at UCLA, like, and for all college football, you're training after the season. You probably have a few weeks off, depending on the bowl game situation. You're training, mm-hmm. you know, all, all winter, spring, summer, um, like. There's so many different stages of development of the different types of training you're doing, building Mm -hmm. it up into um, the season. So like the summers is kind of the end like you're doing. You might turn up the conditioning, but you probably miss you. You probably miss the peak velocity stage, the peak Mm -hmm. uh, acceleration, the peak strength, like majority of all those phases. And like the building, and how, like how guys, really, really see guys like improve in the increments of like getting bigger, faster, stronger. Majority of that stuff happens from January to, uh, I'd say the end of spring. Some the summer block. I mean, you you still have a little strength, but majority of that uh ends up going back into you know peak, you know conditioning and getting back into football like movements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's it's it's tough I mean I know he's a great athlete and I guarantee he was doing some form of, of physical tra- like uh strength training mm-hmm. and, and that type of stuff throughout the baseball season um but baseball shape and football shape are very different yeah, right um you know having to you know actually physically at linebacker take on people drop in mm-hmm. coverage you know the plays are happening so often and, and all that. So, um, I think it's smart on chip for a a health perspective, as far Mm -hmm. as like waiting until he has pretty much, he's like fully, you know, recharged and has a full, you know, the stamina and the velocity to, to, to take on full practices and games, like for chip, one of the biggest things he's on, you know, is on like the, the science behind it. So, Mm um, I've, by by the yeah, by the first game, I feel like he should be fully back with everybody. But I, you know, I think it'd be it'll be week by week as he like slowly increases what he does with the team.
1: Yeah, I think they're they're taking it slow with him, as you mentioned. Um from what I've seen, I think they're they're just doing shorts and shoulder pads. I think that's probably all we're gonna see for the first week. And then as they get into probably next Monday, I think they'll get into full pads. Um, Someone like John John Vaughn, who's been sitting out a, or has been in the weight room a little bit more um, than on the field with the guys. He might take a few extra days before they put him in pads. But um, I think it will be no problem for him joining the team. Another linebacker that is missing time um, and he's missed quite a bit of time is Ali Cajo, the Alabama transfer. He's missed some time. I think he's might maybe been out for a year or two. I um, mean, I know he missed all of last season if I'm not mistaken, and maybe most of like the COVID season, or no, I think he played, I don't know. It, it's been a while. He hasn't played in at least like a year, but uh, Chip Kelly told us at media day that we were supposed to see Ali Kaho for the start of camp. And of course we haven't. Um, <laughs> Chip said that he's getting close though, whatever that means. Um, that was one of the first things they did was see him in the weight room. So, I'm not sure what the deal is or what the injury is. We still never know. Um, so ne- we still never found out. But um, I like to think maybe we're at least getting a little bit closer to seeing Ali Cajo come back and play linebacker. You know, what does that mean? Where does he fit in? That remains to be seen. But I think it does not hurt to have a, a guy of that caliber um coming in there and making plays for the Bruins as soon as he's healthy enough. Um trying to see what else I have. That's kind of it for football or for football practice, because, again, we're not seeing a whole lot. um, But I do want to transition to the NFL stuff um, because, you know, as we get ready for college football to come back, you're in football season. The NFL season is starting um, or at least preseason is. And we saw a couple Bruins playing in the Hall of Fame game, the NFL Hall of Fame game in Ohio, Canton, Ohio, yesterday, which was Thursday. Did you get a chance to watch that game at all?
0: I've been seeing, well, no, because I had a game during, but mm-hmm. I've been seeing, okay. I mean, the highlights everywhere. Mm-hmm. Dorian just, you know, it seems like he put on the show. Um, it's awesome to see him and felt, you know, together in the backfield doing what they do. And I mean, it looks, it looks really similar to, I mean, I mean what we saw at UCLA as it really far does. as, you know, you know, Dorian being a dog, just the mentality of, you know, he, it, it, I'm going to say, like, he wants to, like, he doesn't want to stop. You know, like, he has a, he shows the motor. He shows his passion. That's mm-hmm. what it's like. He, uh, I mean, he just he's just having fun out there and, you know, doing what he does. And I know a lot of people try to, I feel like every, always tries to, you know, put him in a box of what he can and can't do. And I um, I think that showed that, you know, even if it's the NFL, he's still going to play and be himself you know um and as you see seen last night how successful it can be so um you know in 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 his situation with a relatively i would would say relatively deep quarterback room um Mm -hmm. deeper than i I thought it
1: was i thought he was supposed to start the game but apparently not i mean yeah he he moved up He, he he's probably he definitely if, if he was
0: at three yeah he was at four after yesterday at the highlights. i saw he definitely at three mm-hmm. above uh above uh, uh mind yeah mm-hmm. um and then yeah again what felt too just the you know him at receiver him at running back the different things he can do um i uh i look for a big year for him as well so that was that was awesome to see and whenever i see any clips of the of other the boys just at camping i mean it's awesome Chris Barnes getting getting picks at camp, yeah, working I in with that. the ones with the Cardinals, mm-hmm. um, yeah, guys all around the league, and you know, it's like I said, it's always exciting, exciting to see.
1: So the one one of the things that stood out was for DTR was he comes in in the second half, um, as soon as he do, they were down like six, it was like fifteen or sixteen to seven. Um, the Browns were down to the Jets at halftime. DTR goes in the game, starts the second half, and more or less rallies the team back. Um, and they end up winning by a couple points. But I don't, and I, I think the Browns defense did, must have done pretty well because they didn't allow um, very, very many points after that from the Jets. But um, the thing with DTR that stood out to most people was the block that he had on Felton's touchdown. Did you see that block? Mm
0: hmm. That's the, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the main clip that's going around.
1: Mm hmm. And I, I think that's like, it as soon as i saw it and people started talking about it i was kind of like yeah like it kind of wasn't it wasn't surprising because i remember kyle phillips used to talk about that um and he talked about that after the lsu game was like you have to make key blocks you have to be able to to kind of put your body on the line a little bit for your for your brothers um even if you don't have the ball like you're not going to get the ball you're not going to make plays if you're not willing to sacrifice for other guys the same way they are for you when you have the ball
0: Mm -hmm. i mean we've seen i mean he's done that before he's Mm -hmm. led block like you know yeah in plays like that before so i'm saying from a ucla fan perspective that's just dorian playing how he normally (laughs) plays but to this was his like coming out to the nfl world you know Mm -hmm. to just putting it on a bigger stage of oh like this is this is how dtr plays like yes like this is what he does yep you know every like that's just his play style um and again, like you're saying on Kyle Phillips and stuff, like that's a testament to Chip Kelly's system and just like the selflessness um, of the guys that have came through it and understanding, you know, the bigger picture and and blocking. That's one of the um, big things, especially from like quarterbacks and receivers, guys that will say they're not getting paid to block. Yeah, right. see, guys professionally getting cut because they, you know, wide receivers that because they won't block for other people. Um, yeah, so that just shows kind of the mentality that chip has kind of put into the identity of UCLA football players.
1: Uh, no doubt about it. And it was it was interesting because of that and a few other and a few other things. Um I don't know, the the NFL kept coming up when we were talking to Chip today. Um it, it came up during realignment, uh conference realignment and so many other different things. I actually ended up writing about it. Um, they just have so many guys, and Chip continues to get guys. I think like the last two or three hires he's ha- actually, I think the last three hires he's had are all guys who came straight from the NFL. Ken Norton Jr., Bill McGovern last year, uh when he became defensive coordinator, and then this year with Danton Lin. Um, and so I actually wrote about that. I wrote about like how even offensive line coach Um Tim Trevino or yeah, Tim Tim. Trevino, or Drevino, um, how he had three or four years of experience as an offensive line coach for the 49ers, I think even um, as recently as a couple years back when they were in the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, like they have a lot of NFL experience on that coaching staff. And one thing that stood out to me too was how some of the defensive backs like uh, Kenny Churchwell and Alex Johnson spoke um, earlier this week um, to the media. And a lot of them were like, yeah, if someone, you know, if someone, if if someone like Danton John Lynn is, um, breaking down film and using NFL clips, or is talking about his experience in the NFL, like you just be quiet and you listen, because if they're giving you advice or their experience from the highest of levels, uh, who, who are you not to listen to that kind of advice? Um, another thing that stood out to me was, I remember Dante Moore saying, um, a while back when we talked to him during the spring was that, Chip Kelly's pedigree um, as an NFL coach and the resume he's had and coaching guys like Mariota and and Michael Vick is what helped attract him to UCLA when he decided to decommit from Oregon. So um, I think that's a a thing that Bruins have to their advantage going forward and can continue to use when it comes to recruiting is that NFL experience. Um, Oh, and I didn't even mention Deshaun Foster um, and the NFL experience he had how he used, um, as, as he said in the episode where the interview, where we had him on, where he mentioned, you know, he has um, a running back in each of the last four years drafted and he was able to get, I believe three or four of those guys. I think Felton was the only guy who wasn't able to make it, but to that top golf event where, and I thought this was some really good insight from him on how he brought those guys together with the current running backs and was able to kind of get some of the same messages, sprinkled across that he would tell them over and over during practice. But, you know, it's kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you hear from your coach over and over again, but when you start hearing former players that have been through that program saying the same thing, um, I think it's speaks volumes. So just going back to Foster, I, I think I, I, I learned quite a bit about Foster, like just the way he handles things. And I remember you kind of threw in there um, how he would have you kind of test guys um, and, and kind of their drive or, or what, what was it the, their path protection or not? Path, yeah. yeah path. Just yeah.
0: certain certain things that like he would tell us, you know, push, you know, push certain guys, but button, see how they react,
1: mm-hmm.
0: pass rush, or just running, you know, certain things he know, he could tell like Amir or Chris <laughs> Barnes, like give him a, give him an extra bump and see how he reacts to that. Or, you know, certain things like that is, it's it's testing i mean i know that they had they probably had guys you know same thing to us but yeah it, it's that's where it's like coaches really care and they're really trying to develop they're trying to get you you know all angles just see test you out and see where you know where you're strong at and where they can you know help build you up and i mean that's one of the things for him and um and then like you were saying about having NFL experienced coaches, it's definitely different because you have some coaches that have only been in college and that's, I wouldn't say it's their ceiling, but they're just so caught up in that system of focusing on only college and not, you know, getting past that. So a lot of them are only looking on the college success and there are times where some schools you go to, and you're in a system that's successful in college, but might not help you to the NFL, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep. Whereas like you're just you just become a system player, not you're really getting developed for the next level. Um and you're gonna succeed in college, you're gonna win games, you're gonna, you mm-hmm. might shine in that system, but trying to go to the professionals you see guys that don't pan out or can't adjust because mm-hmm. they were so caught up in the system or their coaches weren't developing, developing them, um, in areas where, you know, they might need it the next level. And then you, you see them, um, they might get that shot and, and kind of, you know, get lost in it and guys fall off. And you're like, dang, like what happened? It's like, yeah. <laughs> they weren't, they weren't developed right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it might be, a system where you have, you know, a stack three, Mike linebacker, we see him getting all these tackles and he's only his run fits are easy. And he doesn't really have to do any coverage, go to the NFL to a, a you know, a team that's running a, a lot of nickel four two system. And, um, and now he's getting isolated in coverage and having to guard tight ends and having to, you know, do all these different things. And like, that's just outside his capabilities because he wasn't developing that time. Um, so that's, you know, another major thing that recruits have to look into and another bonus and plus for UCLA having Mm -hmm. offensive and defensive coaches that have been in the NFL, having, you know, their wisdom, you know, having their eye for the game and, you know, the connections of course, too, like, oh yeah, they know all the scouts. They know all the people at the next level to help you. So um, if I don't sell UCLA enough already, (laughs) I think <laughs> if you're trying to go to the, to the NFL. Or you're trying to play professionally. I think it only makes sense that you go to a school like UCLA.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, real quick, um, just transitioning a little bit back to conference realignment. Um, I think it's going to be interesting now that if, you know, assuming everything works out and, and it becomes official that Oregon and Washington are headed to the big 10. Um, something that came to mind for me Um was remember we were talking about the schedule when the Big Ten schedule came out for the next two years. Now they're gonna have to mm-hmm. redo that whole thing. Um and so because Oregon and Washington are joining immediately next year, um, actually maybe that's a good thing for that brutal schedule UCLA was gonna have because they were gonna have LSU, yep. Michigan and Ohio State. So maybe it, you know, the Big Ten West. Out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe it's gonna lessen out a little bit. Um, I don't know, maybe they don't get both Oregon and Washington on the schedule for the first year, maybe, maybe they, no, they could. Uh, I
0: feel like you would, I feel like you have to, I feel like it, it needs to be a, yeah. there's going to be a, a big 10 East and a big 10 West. Mm-hmm. Um, And it just makes sense logistically. And, you know, depending on how long. big the, how big the conference ends up getting. Yeah. Like mm-hmm.
1: do you end up with 20 teams? Which, which, uh, so they're at 18 right now. And I don't know if that's ever happened before, but I know 20 definitely hasn't happened. So that would be, um, I mean, that's that's still be good. I don't know if it'd be better to have because if you're splitting it, you would probably want nine. Wait, so if they're at 18, mm-hmm. so you would have you, you would have, have nine you play,
0: say you had west and east, yeah, so you had nine, right. so that I means you would have eight, your eight you, games, have your, and then you'd have conference. one, one, well, no, but you would have one, oh, that's 11, the, yeah, one yeah. east game. Right. So you'd have you'd play the West games, you had one East game. So mm-hmm. it'd be like I don't know if that'd be fair. It depends how the way it's divided. Like right. the you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, if how mm-hmm. that would work out or but I feel like logistically that the West teams would have to, you know, like the four schools mm-hmm. leaving the Pac twelve play each other makes the most sense and then mix in other ones, um just for the sake of the student athletes and the traveling
1: no especially for football um, because that's a you know there's only so many games in the season as it is but now that I think about it it will benefit basketball the Olympic sports as well where you're not taking as many trips to the east coast and you can kind of have some relief just traveling to Washington just traveling to Oregon Um, I know there was kind of talk of Stanford and Cal maybe finding their way into the the Big Ten or Big 18 whatever it is now but I don't think it's going to happen at that at this point um yeah i don't know have you heard about like where some of these other schools may end up
0: i don't know because it's like they're talking about they're talking about there's no good schools in the mountain west they would dominate but there's no Uh um like there's yeah there's no remaining schools that you can add to the pac 12 that would keep it a power five conference
1: Yeah, Like, like essentially, I think Mm -hmm. it
0: turns into – it's power four now. And, like, yeah, because it would just be, like, the remaining schools and if you could get Mountain West. But I don't know how Mountain West is feeling Mm -hmm. about that. Like, even – I feel like even if the remaining teams join the Mountain West, that would still not be a power conference.
1: Right. If you had San Diego State, um, SMU, and – it was the other school? They are talking about, like, Colorado State.
0: Like like
1: no, <laughs> like I mean and that's I, if they manage it's, to get them.
0: Stanford Stanford should land somewhere off the like how prestigious they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides us, they're the other you know one of the winningest, you know, athletic schools in history. So like they should end up somewhere.
1: Some people we were saying our- some people were saying for Stanford that Put them in the Ivy League. That's where they want to be. I mean, it's acting you know that you would be fire. They would they would kill them.
0: But that's <laughs> yes. far. Like that's just it just like it doesn't make sense geographically, yeah, and logistically. Right. Like yeah, you can't be one school on the other side of the country. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Um yeah. Maybe they should form what if they form like a West Coast Ivy League,
1: like something i mean who would be in that though stanford stanford cow and then who else is considered a university of
0: san diego <laughs> uh, maybe pepperdine the claremont the claremont colleges Yeah, you're
1: pretty at this point you put them in division two yeah pretty much <laughs> um it's just interesting. It's just, it's just crazy. Like, so I think too, it really puts into perspective what this final year really is going to be. Um, I mean, um, they don't, UCLA doesn't play Oregon and they might not play Washington either. So it's, you know, it's not like it's going to be anything. It wouldn't be anything special anyways, now that they're going to the big 10, but um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's just interesting. And the thing is it may not be done. Like the Arizona school will still have to get figured out. I think if the Arizona schools stay, then maybe the the Pac seven, I think it is at the moment, has a chance. But it's not looking. But very you good. gotta,
0: you gotta they would have to get San Diego State, Fresno State, uh maybe Boise State. Oh yeah, Boise like State. Said, that was another State. Yeah, I
1: forgot about Boise State.
0: Like you would have to just take the best Mountain West teams, but then that screws the then, Mountain West. Like then the Mountain it's West like it, yeah, it's just like yeah, they just kinda... some conference
1: is gonna go as a result.
0: Yeah, pretty so. much.
1: I mean, somewhere, yeah. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, at this point, the Big Ten is already a super league. Um, Chip Chip posed the idea of just making it the AFC like an AFC NFC format, and you have. Um based by regions, your AFC West kind of deal. Like you just do your divisions that way. Um who had a good
0: idea was Coach Fish. What is University of Arizona. He was talking about he's like, have the NFL teams each buy two college teams, and then, <laughs> then you kind of have a you kind of have a league that way. So you have 64 teams. I don't know. There's an interview on it, but check that I'll out. have to check, look it up. Check check out his quote on it. But I was like, oh, that that'd be a cool idea to make sense.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out because that's the first time that's been brought to my attention. But with that being said, uh, quite a bit of stuff going on. We'll have more on it. um, As we get ready to wrap up, just stay tuned on my Twitter feed, um, and maybe I'll try and get some audio on here. But we're supposed to be talking to the quarterbacks tomorrow, so we'll see how that all goes. Uh, But with that being said, for Josh and for myself, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Thank you, everybody. This is the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast, presented by Bet Online. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.